0: For the month of of, of uh, January, while I get situated here, we will uh, have a series of uh, our sermons will be a series of messages on our church's core values, and you'll find you can find those uh, listed on the website and on the church center app to, app as well. Uh, the message today, which is entitled "The Word of God," is to encourage you in your pursuit of building the core value uh, on God's word. And uh, so we'll be going through those, uh, those core values. You can prepare in advance, if you would, by reading through those and meditating on them and, and uh, put them on your heart. Um, so today, uh, it's on, on God's word and you can actually find it on the back of your bulletin. Uh, so each week, the you know whatever value we're going to core value we'll be covering in the service will be on the back of your bulletin. And let me just uh, read through that with you before we start. Uh, God's word, as contained in the Old and New Testaments, is divinely inspired, absolutely authorized, and without error, completely true and sufficient to address all matters uh, of a Christian's faith and practice. When the church is committed to weekly expository preaching and the regular personal reading and study of God's Word, they will be best equipped to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it's a good good thing for us to keep in front of us. Uh, Our text today uh, will, will come from 2 Timothy Three, fifteen through 17. So I invite you to turn your, your scripture or turn on your scripture to, uh, to that text uh, if you want to follow along as I read, beginning with verse 15. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful for your word, which is perfect and right reviving our souls, enlightening our eyes, and more to be desired than gold and sweeter than honey. We ask that you open your word to us today, that we will leave this place strengthened and encouraged in our faith. We pray for the one who speaks, whose sins are many, that the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart may be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. So uh, since it's New Year's, I, I'm, I'm assuming um, everybody has made resolutions for the coming year. In fact, I suspect all of you have made, made resolutions of some kind or another, um, some, may, some of you may have, like, you know, a formal list that you go through and, you know, prioritize your objectives for the year. The rest of us probably just have a, a string of kind of um, impulse declarations that we, that we make, uh, like, you know, next year I'm going to exercise uh, for sure this, this time. It's like uh, you know, your resolution list has like uh, five or six that just are on there every year. So you, you start out with that always, I'm sure. Then you have, you know, like next year, all Christmas gifts will be purchased and wrapped before Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, we go through that every year in our house as we scramble. Or uh, next time I'm called to preach a sermon, I will have it ready at least a week in advance. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of resolutions, in 1722, 300 years ago, the great Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards, made a list of 70 resolutions focused on how he would uh, want to live his life. And um, only he wasn't the renowned Puritan preacher at that time. He was only 18 when he did this. And these 70 have kind of stood a test of time. They were instrumental in his life, throughout his life, and, have been instrumental in many, many lives. So it'd be worth your while to you know, look for those online. There, it's easy to find. Download them and have them handy and read through them periodically. Just a few examples. Um, uh, resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. So there's a tough one. My favorite though is uh, Resolved never to speak evil of any, except I have some particular good call for it. <laughs> um, and one that fits our topic today, resolved to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. Really good one for us to remember uh, with regards to our our passage today. So getting into, you know, our, you know, working through this this passage, um, I'll have three three headings for us to work from. As I've been instructed to do, it's a rule. <laughs> Not that they're clever cleverly designed or anything. So the first one will be, teach them diligently. Um, the second one, the authority of the scriptures in the third one the uses of the scriptures for the servant of God first a little context from our passage uh, before we jump into it um, uh, first off Paul refers to Timothy as his beloved child and um, in the earlier part of this book in uh, chapter 1 verse 2 most likely because Timothy was a disciple of his um, could very well have been converted in some way we I tend to think that he was converted in his home as a child from his uh, ministry of his mother and grandmother. Uh, Timothy traveled with Paul um, on at least two of his missionary journeys. So he spent a lot of time with Paul uh, and being taught and instructed, but also being used to the Lord in these missionary journeys. In fact, Timothy was actually left in Ephesus to minister and lead that particular church body. And both of the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy were written to him while he was there and and were instructive to him with regards to dealing with false teachers and other problems that they were having there. Um, this This second letter that we're in now was written by Paul very near the end of his life. It was after his missionary journeys. He was in Rome. He was in prison. He was near, it was near to the time for him to be executed by Nero. And uh, so, but in Also, leading up to our text here in, in verses 15 through 17, in verses 10 through 14, Paul is encouraging Timothy uh, in the face of all the evildoers and false teachers he's dealing with to continue and uh, what he had learned from Paul, and but also what he had learned uh, from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Uh, they're mentioned specifically in chapter 1 and implied here in verse 15, which we'll move into that now. The first heading here is teach them diligently. Uh, if you're uh, keeping score at home, we're moving into that. Um, So, in verse fifteen, the first part of it reads: "From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Acquainted with the sacred writings from childhood, and I, you know, not to get technical, but I do want to make sure we understand uh, words here." Uh, the sacred writings here, of course, would be referring to the Old Testament scriptures. That's all the scriptures they would have, except for there were, were, there were some uh, writings, New Testament writings that were still, that were complete at that time during his childhood. Not, you know, I'm not sure what, but uh, they were also uh, considered to be important uh, scriptures for them. But we're, we're primarily thinking of Old Testament scriptures here. Uh childhood here is an interesting word here. The, the Greek word uh, for that is most often translated as infancy. We don't think of being taught in infancy, but infancy is the most uh, common translation of that word instead of childhood. And the word acquainted here, uh, the, the Greek word is most often translated as no, know, K-N-O-W. So, uh, and I was kind of looking through some of the different uh, scripture versions and the NIV actually has a better translation on that. If we follow that, that thinking, uh, the NIV would say, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, from infancy. Um, I was reading through Calvin and he had a, um, he has, sometimes has a clever way of putting things in, in kind of a picture, which I can't get out of my mind, uh, but um, he was saying the infant Timothy you know, might have been drinking godliness with his milk, and, uh, which is kind of an interesting picture uh, to put, put in my mind. And in the, in the uh, book, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, uh, the Puritan theologian, he wrote uh, some things here that I think are, are helpful to us. And I quote, The, the time of childhood, the time of childhood, is the fittest time of sowing seeds of piety in our children. When, they're children, when they are young, that's the, a, a really good time to be sowing the seeds of piety. And, um, um, and he also added, it's pleasing to God that our children should know him early in life. It is pleasing to God. Really good words for us. And, and as an analogy, he wrote, when you come into the garden, you love to pluck the young bud and smell it. God loves a saint in the bud, which was kind of neat. We just finished one through a book, that book, and uh, it is replete with word pictures, and uh, he's, that was his thing. Um, and then there's the familiar passage. We're all familiar with the Shema, the Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Shema means here. And it starts here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, and when you rise. In other words, the scriptures should permeate your home and should be there day and night and for your children's sake. Um, And since Timothy's father was a pagan and had no interest in, in any of this, or at least there's no evidence of it, it was his mother and his grandmother, as we mentioned earlier, Eunice and Lois, who took up this mantle of teaching him diligently and, uh, from the Holy Scriptures. Um, and so as we, as we continue reading there in, in verse 15, the sacred writings make you, make you wise to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So as Paul is talking here, talking to Timothy, you know, the sacred scriptures have made you wise to salvation uh, through faith in Christ Jesus. And, um, and again, keep in mind, we're talking about Old Testament scriptures here. And we have, uh, we have a tendency to, to not think of the gospel being throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And I think we should take, take note of this um, for sure. Uh, For example, the most familiar passage is Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. And we also... um, to, to note here, even in the New Testament, in Luke 24, 25 through 27, on the road to Emmaus, after his resurrection, uh, Jesus uh, was talking to a couple of followers. And by the way, they did not recognize him while they were talking with him. And he said, "Oh, foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. These two go hand in hand. The, the hearing of the word of Christ and the faith leading to salvation. So if you're if anyone here happens to be an unbeliever you need to listen to God's word uh, it all points to Christ and as, as the one who died um, that we might live by his stripes we are healed believe and be saved okay our next, uh, next point second point uh, the authority of scripture um is what we look and looking at verse sixteen. Now it starts out all scripture is breathed out by God. Now by extension here, uh, all scripture uh, would include um, really every document that's currently in the canon. Every everything you know in our word here, sixty-six books. This is all all considered to be. Uh, part of the scripture that he is referring to really here. So even the things that weren't penned until afterwards are are considered by extension here in this passage. And this expression, breathed out by God, was an interesting one. Um, I spent a fair amount of time looking into this. It's a translation of a Greek word, theopnustos, which only occurs here. This is the only place that that word is actually shows up in the Scriptures. Um, and, but different versions of the Bible may be worded a little bit differently, but most of them word it pretty much the same. Either it's breathed out by God or God breathed, but the others might use the word inspired um, as, as the word rather than breathed. Um, I even looked up this Theopneustos in my Google Translate app Uh, I don't know if you have that it was a great app Uh, and it's translated as divinely inspired Um, so my before going further my apologies to the seminary trained people in the room here I know that you're thinking you know who is this Philistine (laughs) you know who, who dares to trample on on the rules of scholarly discourse and, and referencing Google Translate? <laughs> it's a great app. I like to use it a lot. Not very much in Bible study, so I just thought I would take a jab at people. You, you may not know this place is crawling with seminary trained people, so be careful. <laughs> but the word inspired while it literally means breathe in or breathe into uh it, it may not be really not be the most suitable word for for this case because mainly because of modern usage you know tends to it gives a connotation of a more of a joint effort that inspiration is is more of of god helping us but we but we, we do the work um in doing this is a as I continued in, in studying through this, I spent some time reading BB um, Warfield's paper called entitled "God Inspired Scripture." Um, it was very technical, and I, I didn't understand a lot of it, but I did understand his main his main point in that you know basically Scripture is God given, um, or even precise more precisely the product. Of God's creative breath, God's creative breath, and uh, I had never made that connection before. But uh, uh, there are passages in the Old Testament um, that uh, that give us that uh, impression, that you know, that understanding, or at least that reference to the breathing of creation. Psalm thirty-three six is a good one. I won't read it, but let's. Just going on, and then in, in, in Warfield's conclusions, he wrote, and I'll quote it here, the scriptures owe their origin to an activity of God, the Holy Ghost, and are in the highest and truest sense, his creation. It is, it is on this foundation of divine origin that all the high attributes of scripture are built. Uh, John Calvin said in in his, and I'll quote his his on this as well, he he said, I quote, this is a principle which distinguishes our religion from all others, that we know that God has spoken to us and are fully convinced the prophets uh, did not speak at their own suggestion, but that being organs of the Holy Spirit They only offered what they had been commissioned from heaven to declare, organs of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Michael Kruger said pretty much the same thing, but a bit differently when he wrote, and I quote, the scriptures contain not just the words of human beings, but the words of human beings who were called to be God's mouthpieces. I thought maybe I'd quote Dan's professor and mentor on this topic. Just maybe I can get a better review out of today's talk. Um, So there you go. That's for you, brother. Um, Now this point is made even more clearly by Peter in 2 Peter 1.21, where he said, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Really, really uh, good wording there. Simply put, simply put, God is the author of the Scriptures. And therein lies the basis for its authority and its inerrancy. In our our third section, last section, the uses of the Scripture. in particularly in how he words, you know, the use of the Scripture for the man of God to be equipped. Um, this is our you kind know, of our third and final point here. Um, so, reading on in in verse sixteen, the Scriptures are profitable for teaching, uh, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. for four items here. Just describing the usefulness here of scriptures for the man of God, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, but there is one use here. We could actually say there are five uses in this whole world passage. In verse 15, if you go back to verse 15, the sacred writings are able to make you wise to salvation. So it all starts there. You don't, you don't get any usefulness out of the scriptures if you don't get past that one. If you, don't, if you don't get that one. So, um, so you might say this passage has five uses rather than four. And, this, uh, and the, the idea of, of the salvation, that opens the door for everything else. Um, so this first use is teaching or doctrine, um, as it may be, uh, which tells us what we need to know in order to live a godly life. Um, And this comes from regular reading of the Bible, but also uh, to spend time studying the Bible. Reading is going to be great. It's important for us to do. We need to do that. But we also need to be studying the Bible, trying to understand how how the Bible answers our questions. And sometimes it takes a, 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 some work. Sometimes it takes secondary sources. It's, in fact, often it takes secondary sources. For me, always it takes secondary sources because I don't know a lot. And uh, there, are, there are people who do know a lot and, and are very helpful. And these secondary sources could be preachers, teachers, uh, commentaries, uh, sy- systematic theology which are really great to have Um, Sunday schools um, and and other kind of classes that you could Bible study classes that you could be involved in Um, our church happens to be what you would call a confessional church uh, which means that there is a confessional standard that we subscribe to for the Presbyterian Church in America that standard is the Westminster Standards which includes the Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger and shorter catechisms. Um, these are secondary sources for helping us to understand the Bible and what the Bible says about various, you know, various doctrines: the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the fall, the doctrine of covenants, law, salvation, etc. Um, so, but these are. Secondary sources, all of these are secondary sources and they are subordinate to the word of God. They are not equal to on par. There's nothing that's going to be equal to. The second use described there in, in, in verse 16 is reproof or rebuke, which is to expose sin or error. Um, so it's only by the exposing of the sin that we're able to confess and repent, which is necessary for us. Um, If I'm not using the Bible to confront my own sin, uh, then then I'm not growing in righteousness as God would have me to do. Hebrews 4.12 is another familiar passage. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we need the Bible to convict us of our sin. The third use is correction. Um, It's not enough that the word can convict us of, of our sin and our error, but also the word also provides a way to be forgiven and restored. So the Greek word Therefore, the correctness uh, correction is uh, eponorthosis, and um, which means to straighten up upon. Now, this was a a word that that really came out of at the time out of out of uh, the medical parlance, if you would. So, and it was appropriate. Seemed appropriate because. Uh, I, again, you can recognize orthosis because that shows up in a lot of things like orthopedic, orthodontia. But I think it was a, it was important use of that word coming out of that because people recognize, you know, what happens when you have a broken bone. In order for you to be able to stand up right, somebody's got to make it to where it will stand up and make it where you can. So God's word, uh, while the God's word will knock you down with reproof. God's Word is right there to pick you up with correction and, um, and, and put you on your feet again, uh, like the orthopedic surgeon would do. So God's word, according to Paul, to his message to the Ephesians, that we see in Acts 20:32, God's word will build you up. It's important to know that. The fourth now and final use is training in righteousness. Um, the, the, the Greek word for training here really had more to do with training up the child. And again, here we come back to that, training up the child. Uh, so to, to discipline the child or, or chasten the child is what this would be. So that's the picture that we have. Um, Hebrew 12, Hebrews 12, twelve six says, the Lord disciplines... The one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So the word provides not just, you know, here's the correction, it provides the training that that gets to the heart of the sin, in the heart of your sinfulness, and to train you in that. And then verse 17 adds that the man of God may be complete. Equipped for every good work. Uh, of course, uh, you'll see the word "perfect" in, like, in the King James version, a lot, and we tend to mis- misapply that, which it does mean complete. Um, so these these four these four uses that we've gone through: teaching, reproof, correction. And training and righteousness um, are all necessary parts of what we pull from the scripture as, a, as a, to be equipped to be in service for the Lord to 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 do the good work of of the Lord. Um, as I was reading that, I was thinking that I kept I kept thinking of like the Swiss Army knife, right? You know, you got all these different blades. You know, you think of these these tools of the scripture as like your, you know. Could, Tools on your Swiss Army knife that equip you to serve that you would carry with you all the time. So, by way of of application, I have no idea how long we've got. Okay, got thirty more minutes. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, so by way of application, so that, whenever you say, say whenever we say application, that means okay. That doesn't mean you start getting your your things together to run out the room. Because sometimes the application is the longest part of the whole message, just, just telling you. <laughs> um, so just the application to tie back, just uh, I want to encourage you to make resolutions around this, whatever they may be. And here, just, uh, just to give some, some examples of things that we might, as, as Christians, resolve for the coming year, around the Word of God, resolve to take up and read God's Word daily. Um, consider consider you, to do this. Maybe consider a, a program to help you to do that. Uh, community Bible reading is a good program to to do that. It's very helpful. We have uh, uh, connection. We have links to that in our. Um, Church Center app as well as, uh, I think, on the website as well, that I would, I would start there. It's a good place to start. Um, Table Talk magazine from, from Ligonier Ministries has uh, uh, a daily Bible Bible reading ref, reference for you as well, as you should go through that. So find a, a source like that that's really good to do. And also it could be helpful to have accountability, where you, maybe you do it as part of a family or a group or whatever it's good rather than do it just individually to be able to have some accountability. Secondly, resolve to study the Bible regularly, not just the daily reading, but studying. Find a, find a, a, a way to put you in a place to be studying the scripture. And the best place for that is find a Bible study to get involved with. Uh, we have some that are mentioned uh, that are in the church <clears throat> and there should be more. As we grow, but look for opportunity to do that and um, and um, you can it can be um, of help to you next resolve to regularly hear the word of God preached uh, so so for this year, make it a point to uh, attending a worship service every week. make it a priority every week because hearing god 's word preached is a means of grace that God has provided for us and we have it there for us every week and we're shortchanging ourselves out of of really important means of grace when we aren't there. Resolve to memorize scripture. Uh, Having the scripture passages come to mind at at critical times is a real blessing to you but also to others around you. Resolve to teach your children diligently uh, really important uh, part of of this this message was as I was reading through it was recognizing that importance um, and so just if reading the Bible uh, regularly, um, using catechisms um, in however it, it may be so let me let me close by reading Isaiah 55:11 to you So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it Amen